Luke chapter 1, and this eve, uh, this uh, morning, we get to cover verses 26 through 56. As we look at what uh, a lot of people would call the Annunciation, it's when Gabriel came and uh, he told Mary, you know, what was going to go down. Um, and some people may say, hey, Manny, it's not Christmas. Why are we studying this story? Um, but we're traveling through the Gospel of Luke, and, you know, in one sense, we don't have to. Uh, celebrate Christmas only on Christmas. It's really something that we celebrate every day. But in our study today, we're going to see the messenger. We're going to see the Messiah. We're going to see the maidservant. Uh, real strong. Uh, we're also going to see uh, salvation and submission. And that's the way it works. You know, God, it's a simple thing. We live, we were made, we were created in the image of God. We are not byproducts of random chance. We are not products of evolution. God made us. But what happened was we sinned and we separated ourselves from God. And, you know, God didn't leave it that way. He sent his son, Jesus, to reconcile us to him. And that's what the whole Christmas story is about. God sent the Savior. God sent the Deliverer, the Rescuer. And when we read the Gospel of Luke, Luke puts it all together and he tries to give us an orderly account of how everything went down. And uh, we read now when Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, was sent to Mary to tell her what was going to happen to her. And just the beautiful way that she responded. You know, she didn't, uh, uh, you know, resist it. Uh, she said, I'm, I'm your maidservant. And we're going to see that Greek word is, it means female slave. I'm your female slave, God. I'll do whatever you want. And that's the way that people get saved. When God does his part and we do ours. There's a sovereignty of God and then there's a responsibility of man. And sometimes it's hard to reconcile the two, but I call it an aggressive cooperation where God has a mission, where God wants to change lives and where he's looking for people who are willing to catch the vision and yield their life to him. And, and Mary was such an individual. She was willing to do whatever. She gave her body, soul, and spirit to the Lord, and the Lord would use her for his glory. Now, Mary is not to be worshipped. We'll look at that today. Uh, she was blessed among women, not above women. But she is a good example for us, especially as a young person. Because look what we read here in verse 26. It says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now this is sixth month here. And uh, we know when you read the context right here that the sixth month is uh, the sixth month in which Elizabeth was pregnant. We read that. If you go over real quick to verse 36, it says, Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. So Elizabeth was six months pregnant. At that time, the angel Gabriel, it says, was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, Gabriel, a lot of people call him an archangel, um, but the Bible doesn't call him an archangel. The only angel that the Bible specifically calls an archangel is Michael. Um, but we know that he was a messenger. We know he spoke to Zacharias. We don't even know for sure if he's the one that spoke to Joseph. More than likely he was. We read that in Matthew chapter 1, but we're not sure. Uh, we know Gabriel spoke to Zacharias. We know Gabriel spoke to Mary. If you read the book of Daniel, he spoke to Daniel. So he's definitely a messenger from the Lord. He's sent right here, it says, to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, for those of you 
who have studied your Bible, you realize that Nazareth was not an esteemed city. It was like El Monte, kind of, you know, in many ways. Um, I love El Monte. I love the people of El Monte. I esteem El Monte. You know, and I pray that God would do a great work. But you would figure that God would go to New York, or you would figure that God would go to Rome, or you would figure that God would go to one of the, I guess you could say the big cities, Los Angeles, you wouldn't expect him to go to a small town. You wouldn't expect him to go to a town that, you know, is not worldwide famous. As a matter of fact, Nazareth isn't even mentioned in the Old Testament. But God came to Nazareth and it had a, it had a rough reputation. But he didn't just come to a city. He came to a girl because it says in verse 27, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And so the angel came from God to Nazareth, specifically to a girl that we're going to see over and over again. The Bible emphasizes that she was a virgin. She had not had sexual relations. Now, she was betrothed to a man. And in the Jewish culture, that was an engagement. But it was an engagement that was so strong that... uh, They were actually considered husband and wife already during the engagement period. And the only way out of the betrothal period was through a divorce. So Mary is betrothed to Joseph. She's a virgin. They haven't consummated the marriage yet. And the angel comes to her. And in verse 28, we read the message. It says, And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And then Mary said to the angel, Well, how can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. Here it is right here. For with God, nothing will be impossible. The angel comes. Luke tells us this is how the story went down, that God sent the angel Gabriel to Mary there in Nazareth. And what he would do is he would have Mary conceive. And this child that was to be a virgin birth would actually be the one to save the world. You see, the world needs a Savior. Men, women, they need a Savior. Education is cool, but we need salvation. Finances are great. We need salvation. You know, comfort and numbing the pain, you know, through all these things that we have and the world offers to us, entertainment, that's great. But our primary need is salvation. And that's why it's cool, whatever part that you have in the body of Christ, I encourage you to be faithful in that. 
You know, Chuck Smith at one time, he was thinking about becoming a doctor. And he had the brains to do it. And he could have been a doctor. He's a very intelligent man. But one day, God got a hold of his life and God told him, no, you know, for you, that's not what I want. You know, if you heal someone physically, that's a temporary healing. But if you heal someone spiritually, that's everlasting. Now, does that mean that there are no Christian doctors allowed? Absolutely not. That's not what I mean. But I mean that even as a doctor or whatever you're doing in life, you're always looking deeper. You're looking deeper. You have to look beyond the temporary. And we can give people food, and we do give people food, and we have tons of food boxes back there. If you need food, please let us know. We have it for you. But, you know, to give you the word of God, will feed your soul. And that's what we have to give out. You know, we have to have the vision that God has. Not the vision that Manny has. Not the vision that, you know, Billy Graham has. The vision that God has. And the Bible says that the Son of Man has come to seek and save those which are lost. That's what His mission is. That's what His vision is. And so what did he do? When he saw us in our situation, what he did is he said, man, I've got to send my son down there and he's got to die on a cross for their sins. But the thing is, is that he couldn't have sin himself. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a just sacrifice. And so he had to, you know, conceive within the womb of Mary. It's the virgin birth. There would be no sin in him. He's 100% God. And yet at the same time, 100% man. And he would be the sacrifice for our sins. You know, the angel came and, and it, we're going to see the Gospel of Luke. There's a lot of joy. There's a lot of joy because this is good news. We had no hope. There is no hope apart from Jesus. But now we have hope, right? And so there's this rejoicing. In verse 28, again, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now, Mary kind of tripped out on the greeting. She said, whoa, man, he kind of likes me. That's what, you know, she said, you know. Um, at the same time, she was afraid. You know, how would you feel if an angel came to you? I mean, seriously. And remember, like I said last week, the angels are not chubby kids, you know, naked with wings. That's not what angels are. Angels are glorious beings. And every time an angel appears in the Gospel of Luke, he always, always has to say, don't be afraid. Don't worry. I'm coming. I'm coming on good terms. Angels are glorious. Gabriel was a faithful messenger. But the thing about Mary is that she was a highly favored one. And, and it says right here that the Lord was with her. Blessed are you among women. You know, there's a lot of times there's two extremes when it comes to Mary. Some people will, will, will just, you know, exalt her. We unfortunately have the Catholic Church that um, they say that, you know, I, she was immaculately conceived as well, that she had no sin, that she remained a perpetual virgin, that she ascended into heaven bodily, that she was crowned as queen of heaven. I have all the documentation here. You can look at each time the Pope would say that, you know, and, and it's crazy. The Bible doesn't say that anywhere. The Bible says that she has other kids. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, but unfortunately, you'll go to the one extreme and sometimes people will exalt her. I was Catholic. I used to pray to her. And, you know, they say that she appeared. And, you know, we have Lady of Guadalupe and, you know, the Lady of Fatima and the Lady of Lords and all these different places. You know, and how do you know that, that though, that that wasn't, you know, how do you know that that was from the Lord? You want to know how you can know if it's from the Lord? Well, you get a vision how do you know it's from the Lord? How do you know it's not 
you know, of the devil? How can you tell the distinction? Well, the answer is you test it according to Scripture. And I don't care how beautiful the woman is. If there's a woman and she appears to you and she tells you to pray to her, then that's not the Lord. Because there's only one that you pray to, and that's God. Well, people say, well, I don't pray to her. I don't worship her. I just go to her and I say, hey, Mary, can you talk to your son? Because, you know, I need some connections here, you know. And, and, and we don't need that. The Bible says there's one mediator between God and man, and that is the man Christ Jesus. Unfortunately, some will go to that extreme and they'll worship her. And, you know, Jeremiah talks about how they would worship the Queen of Heaven. And he talked about how it was totally pagan. As a matter of fact, there's even one place I was reading about today. I have a picture of it. where They have a picture of Jesus on the cross and Mary's on the other side. They call her a co-redemptrix. And they have another picture of, of Mary on the cross. And at the same time, she's holding Jesus in her, in her arms. Because not only do they want her to be co Mediator, but they want her to be co-redemptrix. Anyways, that's one extreme. You guys, please understand this. That's not what the Bible teaches. Nowhere in the Bible, nowhere does it ever have anyone praying to anyone other than God. Not only is it a waste if you pray to St. Jude or whatever it might be, but it's wicked. Please understand that. It's a waste and it's wicked because how can Mary hear the prayers of all the people in the world? There's no way. She's a beautiful woman, you know, but she's not the queen of heaven hearing the prayers of the people. As a matter of fact, right here it says, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now, later on, Mary's going to say, you know, one day people are going to call, you know, me blessed. And, and we do. You know, we want to make sure we don't go to the other extreme and think, well, there was nothing significant about this young girl. You know, she was just a sinner. Well, yeah, she was a sinner. We're all sinners. But she was surrendered. I mean, she was willing to give her life. She was willing to give her her body. She was willing, you know, think about it. If you got pregnant before you were married, even nowadays, there's a certain stigma to it. But in those days, especially if you got pregnant before you were married, I mean, everybody thought ugly things about you. And she was willing to not worry about what people thought of her, only what God thought of her. And that's why it's important for us to make sure that we don't become man pleasers. We become God pleasers. And that's where Mary was. You know, one time they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, you know, blessed is the woman that, you know, from whose breasts you nursed, you know. And, and they were basically saying the same thing. Man, she must have been amazing. Your, your mom, man. And you know what Jesus said? Do you guys remember what he said? He said, more blessed than that are those who hear the word of God and do it. And so he didn't say, yeah, you're right, worship her. No, he said, no, it's, just, it's, not, it's not about her. Anyways, Gabriel comes and he gives her this greeting um, that she had found favor with God. And when you read the Bible, you see whenever God does a new work, they find favor with God. And in verse 31, he gives us the whole thing. He says, you will conceive in your womb, bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Matthew one twenty one tells us, the same thing that the angel told Joseph. You'll call his name Jesus. But you want to know why? Because Jesus, what does that name mean? It means Jehovah's salvation, huh? 
And it says in Matthew 121, call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You see, it's our sins that separate us from God. And we need a Savior. And so he said, call his name Jesus. And look what he says about him. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Now in the Old Testament, you read the Old Testament, there's over 300 prophecies regarding the coming of Christ and where he would be born and how he would live and how he would die and how he would rise and just so many things about him. 300 prophecies and Jesus came and he fulfilled them all. One of the most important prophecies was that he would you know, rule in Jerusalem. He would rule as a son of David. He would inherit the throne of his you know, ancestor. And we know that that's fulfilled in Christ. And that's why you see things stirring in the Middle East nowadays. You're like, why is this little teeny country the size of New Jersey, why does it always make the headlines? I mean, it's smaller than Riverside. Why do we always read about Israel? Why is there oil in the Middle East? Why is this happening in the last days? Because God's setting everything up. And he said that Israel would become a nation again, and they did in 1948. He said they would regain Jerusalem again, and they did in 1967. And as things are winding down, Jesus Christ will come and literally reign on earth for a thousand years. It's an amazing thing when you look at that. And that's what we see the prophecy is of here. And he says he will reign over the house of Jacob, not only for a thousand years, but it says forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Okay, so Mary begins to understand. Okay, so I'm going to have a baby. He's going to be the Messiah. And look what happens. Verse 34, Mary said, how can this be? Since I do not know a man. The Greek word is to know experientially. She had not been sexually engaged with a man. And the angel answered her. He said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. It's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They're all there. And, you know, as far as the details of this, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it means necessarily for the power of the highest to overshadow you, the Holy Spirit to come upon you. You know, we don't know the exact details. We do know what it's not. It's not what the Mormon religion teaches that says that God had celestial sex with a woman. That's not what it teaches. All we know is this, that it was totally the Lord. That on that day, the one that spoke everything into existence by the power of his word, when he was the one that said, let there be light, he came into a womb of a woman. I don't know how big he was. They say he was as big as the dot that is the period on the page. That's what God did. He totally humbled himself. And he became, you know, a man. He took on human flesh. Eventually, he would grow to the size of a grain of rice and then a grape. <laughs> you know, and he'd get bigger and bigger and he would grow. But that's what God did. And it's so cool, you know, the way that everything comes down. You know, the Bible says, Isaiah seven fourteen that the virgin would conceive. That would be the sign. We read the you know, prophecy way back in the book of Genesis, even the, the virgin birth. It's there, written, etched in history. 
And, you know, you may look at that and you may think, you know, that's a, that's a crazy, I mean, that, you know, a virgin giving birth, I'm sure that doesn't happen. And that's why God says right there in verse 37 through the angel, for with God, nothing will be impossible. And that right there is a, a very important verse. I encourage you to memorize it. It's not difficult. It's not difficult to memorize, but in one sense, it might be difficult to live. Because, you know, you're here today, and I am sure that there are a lot of challenges in your life. You know, I'm sure that there are situations, and sometimes it's marital issues, and sometimes it's issues with your kids, your grandkids. Sometimes it's issues with your physical health, or, or whatever it is, you feel a burden, a calling on your life to make a difference in this world. And you look out on the world and you're like, Lord, I don't know if anything will ever change. I don't know if there's anything I can do to benefit humanity. And it's like a big mountain in front of you. And maybe it's your own you know, fears. And some people go through depressions or whatever it is that you go through in life or you're facing in life or we will face in life. One of the things that we must remember is that with God, Nothing will be impossible. And maybe you're here today and you're addicted to drugs or drinking or alcohol, smoking, whatever it might be, and you can't stop. You know, you, you can't. You can't stop because you don't have the power. With God, nothing will be impossible. And, you know, maybe you feel today like everything's hopeless, like it's beyond. And God says, it's not. I can change you. I can change them. But it, we got to remember, it's got to be with God. You know, and that's your decision. You can go and you can live life without God. You think you don't need Him. Or you can live life with Him. And as you're li living life with God, it's so cool that the Bible says nothing will be impossible. You know, my son was talking to me on the way over here today. And he said, Dad, do you think there's a chance that there will be a revival in the world. You know, and I look at the world and I think, man, they don't really want God anymore. That's the trend. But I told him, you know what, son? With God, nothing is impossible. I said, more than likely, we're going to have to go through heartache to get there. Because usually that's the only thing that wakes us up. But I hope and I pray that our nation would return to God. Nothing's impossible with God. A virgin birth, you know, a revival in the land. And so Mary said, no way, Jose. No, I'm just joking. She didn't say that. Look what she said in verse 38. Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You see, that's the key right there. You know, God can do anything, but he has chosen to use human vessels. Now, sometimes I wish he would have chosen someone else or something else. I think he'd be better off using, um, no offense here, okay? I love you guys. <laughs> I, sometimes I think he'd be better off using dogs because dogs are so loyal, huh? <laughs> They're so loyal. I love my dog and he's just beautiful. He's just so loyal and forgiving and, and everything, you know. 
um, why is it that you know trees worship God and birds worship God and you know dogs are loyal, but it's men, it's humanity. Why is it that we are the ones that are so rebellious? And yet we are the ones that God has chosen to move through. God is able and God has the power and God will change the world, but he's looking for a man. He's looking for a woman who is sold out and surrendered, completely committed. And maybe that will be you. It doesn't matter what happened last week or all the past. It doesn't matter, man. Today, you say, God, I want to be that man. God, I want to be that woman. He will use you. And maybe you'll be used to change the whole world. I always tell you guys, man, and you know what I've been saying, man, you Christians, run for president. We need a good, strong Christian man up there. Sometimes I wonder about the choices that we have. I'm like, Lord, it doesn't make any sense. Christians rise up, right? God can use us to change the, the, the country. God can use us to change our family. And if you change your family, then you make an influence on your children, a real strong, godly influence on them. And who knows what they will do? Because the Bible says they become like quivers. They're like these arrows and they go farther than we've ever gone. You know, the enemy has come in and he's destroyed. He's tried to destroy families. And families are the fabric of society. And we need husbands that love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, thinking of her needs before his own. And then when that happens, it's so cool because then the wife will submit to her husband and be supportive of him. But he needs to love her. And when he dies for her, then she'll live for him. It's so cool when you do things God's way. And then when you see the way that we can be as parents and, you know, you got to be so careful as parents you know, don't let your kids go out and do whatever. You know, what, what are they text messaging? What are they um, watching on television? What kind of music are they listening to? What, what is the Internet sites that they're going to? You know, who's influencing their life? You've got you to gotta be on top of that. You've got to be totally on top of that, you know, and teach them, you know, what's good and what's bad. You know, we, wherever God sends us, we can be an influence. Mary was, was that individual, sold out and surrendered to the Lord. She calls herself a maidservant. Okay, she says, Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Now, you look at the word maidservant, and you're like, oh, that's kind of soft and, and cuddly, right? Well, when you get into the Greek language, it's the word doulos, um, but it's in the female form. And so she know what she said? She said, I am a female slave of the Lord. She said, I've surrendered my rights. And God, I'll do whatever you want. And that's really to be our heart, you guys. You know, my kingdom go, his kingdom come. You check in with your general and you ask him for marching orders. And then you go and you march. The way that life works is very simple. You've got to know the will of God. And you've got to be empowered to do the will of God. But you can't go out and do your own thing. That's what Mary said. She said, okay, I'll do whatever you want, Lord. And so in verse 39, Mary arose in those days and she went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah. Now, if you were to look at a map, you would see Nazareth is up here in Galilee. Then you have Samaria. Then you have Judah. And so this is about a three-day journey. And she entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. 
And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then she spoke out with a loud voice and she said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And I just, I think it's so cool what Mary does is she goes and she, because she finds out that Elizabeth is pregnant and it's just so beautiful. She says, you know what, I'm going to go help her. She's got three months left until her baby is born and I'm going to go help her. You know, that's, that just kind of shows you the heart that Mary had. And so, you know, she uh, took the train. No, I'm just joking. They didn't have trains down there, man. Three-day journey. I mean, you know, going down, maybe going around Samaria, maybe going through Samaria. We don't know for sure. But when she got there, she came into the house of Zacharias. She greeted Elizabeth. And then, you know, the Bible says that, that the baby inside Elizabeth's womb, it just leaped for joy. Now that's crazy, huh? That is so amazing because we know that the prophecy was that John the Baptist would be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. And so once John saw Jesus come, even as a, a, a infant, he leaped for joy. And I just, man, isn't that cool? I mean, John the Baptist, I love that guy. I love John the Baptist because he just pointed people to Jesus. He just pointed people to Jesus. He was just so excited about Jesus. So much so that even as an infant, you know, he was there dancing in his mother's womb when Jesus came into the room. You know, and Elizabeth just says, man, you, you know, you're blessed among women. There it is again. Not above women, but among women. You're blessed among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And she was just so, um, you know, humbled that Mary would come. And she was just so blessed that Mary believed. You know, and a lot of our life, you guys, has to do with belief, the faith. You know, all the things that we share with you, how God can use your life to change the world. Do you believe it? doesn't matter what you did yesterday. If today you choose God and you go forward, do you believe? You believe He can change the world? Do you believe He can change you? You believe he can do anything? I believe that. You know, I really do. And and Mary really did. And that's why she believed and she received and she conceived, right? And we need to have that faith as well. To believe not in yourself. Oh, believe in yourself. That's not going to get you far. No offense. I don't care how smart you are, how much money you have. It won't make an eternal significance. But to believe in the Lord, to believe his word. And when you believe that, it's cool what God does. Elizabeth commends Mary for that. And then Mary gives us what's called the Magnificat. And we'll close with this. It says, and Mary said, my soul magnifies Mary. No, I'm just joking. It doesn't say that, right? It says, my soul magnifies who? The Lord. Mary didn't come to magnify herself. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, 
my Savior. See, she, she needed a Savior. God was her Savior. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, the interesting thing is she surrendered herself, body, soul, and spirit. She surrendered her, her body, how? By allowing it to be impregnated with a, with a baby, right? She surrendered her soul. Right here she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit, my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. She was totally sold out and surrendered to the Lord, body, soul, and spirit. And she says, why? For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. If you would underline that, if you, you know, underline your Bible. I know some of you don't. You're like, no, I can't do it. But, you know, some of you do. That is a great verse right there. He has done. It's amazing. He has done mighty, great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. More than likely, Mary remained until... uh, John was born. And you know how it is when a baby is born, then you got a whole bunch of people coming and helping at that point. And so then she went back, you know, and, and more than likely, we'll, we'll talk about this next time, um, she's showing now. After three months, this girl, this young girl is probably showing now. And more than likely, people were talking. Oh, who's the father? I know it's not Joseph. She's been over here for three months, and, you know, she left kind of in a haste. And people start talking. Little do they know what's really going down. And when you look at this right here, the the main thing you see about in Mary's Magnificat, they call it the Magnificat, is that she said how God would take someone such, you know, so lowly like me, and how he would even use someone like me. You know, and I think that's an important principle for us. You know, if you think you're great... Hey, God, you know, obviously I'm your obvious pick. Then he's probably not going to pick you. He's going to humble you. But if you're like, Lord, you know what? I don't deserve it. I'm not worthy. I'm not able. God says, that's the one. See, God is looking for people of humility. And if we humble ourselves, the Bible says that God will exalt you in due time. And that's the important thing, you guys. The Lord knows that we needed a Savior, and so He sent Jesus to us. And if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, maybe you're here today and it's your first time, or, or you know, you just were invited by someone, somehow you ended up here. Today I want to encourage you to turn from your sins. Just be willing to let go of those sins, your sin of unbelief even, and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You know, just tell Him, Lord, I'm a sinner, and today I want to receive You so that when I die, I can go to heaven. So that right now I can know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that all my sins are forgiven. If you want to do that, 
as we partake of communion right now and they're going to pass out the bread and the cup, you just pray that prayer in your heart. You pray that to God. You tell God today, I want a new start. And I promise you, by the authority of His Word, that He will meet you there. It's a personal decision that we all have to make. And so, Lord, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for allowing us to be here today. I thank You for the love that You have for everyone here. And, Lord, how You sent Your Son, Lord, to die on a cross. We see the salvation message. We see the submission of Mary. And we want to be people like that, Lord. I pray that, you, Lord, you would use this church, that you would use those in this room today, Lord, to bring you glory and honor. I do ask, Father, personally, I ask that you forgive me of my sins and my pride at times, Lord, and just anything, anything that would grieve you, Lord God. Help me as as a husband, as a dad, as a pastor, as a minister. Lord, help us to be a congregation that would be pleasing to you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would do a great work in our hearts. As we partake of communion, Lord, as we contemplate our life before you and what you've done for us, Jesus, I pray that your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would minister to every heart. We love you, Lord. We thank you. And we pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.